This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of February the 19th, 2024, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. As you know, we discuss retirement planning fairly regularly on the podcast, but in retrospect, it's been a little one-dimensional. We almost always are focused on how to hit a particular number, the amount to have squirreled away that will allow you to maintain your current lifestyle during retirement. And there's a little bit of wiggle room in our definition of lifestyle, but we're usually talking about creature comforts, travel, entertainment, family obligations, and health care. What we have not addressed is ambition. If you're a company founder, serial entrepreneur, and or C-suite executive, the ambition that drives you will not vanish the day you decide to give up full-time work and hit the pickleball court. Ambition is part of your mental and genetic makeup, and you need to account for that itch while planning for, quote-unquote, retirement. IBJ personal finance columnist Pete the Planner, a.k.a. Peter Dunn, is obsessed with the topic of ambition, and it's frequently something I find myself wrestling with. So in this week's edition of the podcast, we're going to flesh out how retirees can harness their ambitions while widening their definition of the term to help others. We also have a wide-ranging discussion about the nature of ambition, people who use ambition in a constructive way with several local examples cited by Pete, and those who are focused solely on their own interests. Here's our conversation. As always, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Pete Dunn, aka Pete the Planter. Thank you for making time today. I'm so glad to be here. I noticed that you didn't have me on Valentine's week. You had me the week after Valentine's Day, and I'm taking that as an affront to our relationship. My wife was getting jealous, and it just wasn't a good look. That's fair. That's fair. I want to follow up on an issue that you addressed in your column in the latest issue of IBJ, and I'm going to sing it because I can. Are you ready? I don't know if anyone's ready for this, but have at it, pal. Ambition, ambition, ambition. I'm not going to go up the next note. Ambition. I know it's one of your favorite topics. I love the topic of ambition. I do. I've toyed within the last year of writing a book about the evolution of ambition. At this point, I can't get it past a cranky older fella talking about younger generations. So that's yeah. why I have not really put keystrokes to a uh, computer yet. I got you. You know, is it interesting? I was thinking about this on the way to work. That ambition kind of has a, there's a negative connotation in some respects. And we're, we're going to go deep dive into theater now. Julius Caesar, the play Julius Caesar, written around 1600. Brutus cites the reason for killing Julius Caesar as he was an ambitious man. So it's a weird word for me. I struggle with it a lot because I don't feel like I'm very ambitious, though in some things I am ambitious. I don't know how you feel. I'm loving this already. And, and maybe a listener or four will as well. So here's what I think. I think, first off, it's all about your perception of ambition and your relationship with that perception. Because, Mason, I find ambition to be a very appealing quality in a person. Other people find ambition to be really off-putting. So even in that thing, I'm not here to say that if you don't value ambition, that you're wrong. I'm here to say that 
if the spectrum is ambition and being expectant, okay, so there's ambitious and expectant, where do people's financial lives, where do their aspirations fall into that? And for me, Mason, one of the, the toughest things about this is there are two widely accepted definitions of ambition, and they're wildly different. Okay. So I, I think we got to start there because I love one of them. The other one's kind of like, yeah, you can keep it. I don't care too much about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, do that. If you just go to the old Google machine and you just Google ambition and you get the Oxford languages version of the word, and I love this, a strong desire to do or to achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. Love that. Love that. And let me let me take Merriam-Webster and uh, juxtapose their thoughts. An ardent desire for rank, fame, or power. Ooh. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. An ardent desire for rank, fame, or power. So now this could be the crux of our conversation. This might be the big takeaway. If I feel like I'm personally get down with a strong desire to do or achieve something and it requires hard work and determination, but an outward looking person looks at me and like, well, that guy just has an ardent desire for rank, fame, or power. That's where this gets fascinating. Can I just real quick claim this idea? Like a great etymology podcast where we actually take big words or, you know, just significant words and compare the definitions from Oxford to Merriam-Webster. There's a class of people out there that would freaking love that. I would love that. I love words so much. Oh, that'd be great. If we can go with the first definition for a second and, and yeah. get past strong desire, I, I think there's something to do or to achieve. And that's where I find this to have financial ramifications and professional ramifications. And, and I think it, it goes beyond fame or power. Now, do you want to talk about the letter that you received yeah. and responding to in your column? Because, I mean, that that really, in particular to the idea of life goals, especially after retirement, you apply, you know, the concept of ambition as really kind of a necessary thing to take into account when you're retiring. If you're an ambitious person, it doesn't shut off. I mean, as much as you like to say, well, hey, I've done my work. Whenever you get that exhale and you, you get that, that wiggle room to then think and live and do something else, your ambition will find something to grab onto in that more peaceful life. And you're going to have to take that into account. So the I don't know if it was a, a man or a woman who emailed me. It was very mysterious, as you will <laughs> come to find in the column, name withheld. Here's the loadout. They believe they could sell their business right now for, quote, more money than they could ever use. Or with just a little bit more work and a little bit of luck, they could possibly 3X that, right? So that'd be three times more money than they could ever need or want. And so... I sort of dug into this idea of, of, based on how the person wrote, there's some ambition. They're, this person is an ambitious person and they, they've achieved, a, they've built a business and they will have achieved financial success. They even said they felt fulfilled and purposeful in their current life. And I started thinking, how does a person evaluate whether to have more money than they ever need or three times more money than they ever need through the lens of ambition? And that's where we come to this conversation. So, the, yeah, the way that I took it was the way that we normally talk about retirement, I mean, is, is usually just about hitting a number. 
I mean, most of our conversations and I'll, I'll, everything that I read about retirement basically is about how do I get to the number that allows me to maintain my lifestyle, my preferred lifestyle. And that is the end goal. It is not so much like, you know, anything having to do with having ambitious plans afterwards. And, you know, maybe it's like taking the family on a cruise to Turks and Caicos, but you know, it's, it still falls under the travel golf. Can you go to Turks without Caicos? You know, honestly, I've never been there. No, I don't know. I don't know either. So maybe this is not a geography podcast. Here's the thing for me. I just don't think a person can shut their ambition off if it's about doing or achieving something. Now, achieving serenity, maybe. I'm not so sure because with the definition I like, it requires determination. So think of a retired person. Let's think of a, per, a very financially successful and business success. And then now they're retired. Where are they going to point determination and hard work? Pickleball? Is, is that the answer? Is that is that why pickleball is the hotness these days? I don't know because I haven't done the pickleball thing. I could tell you that the number of people, you know, that the poo-poo the idea of actually playing golf every day, I mean, that whole idea is over. Everyone understands that that is not a satisfying thing to do. I wouldn't say everyone, but I do agree yeah. that that is a trend that is not a sustaining trend. I will say I'll carve out an exception for my mom who loves playing. <laughs> That's always good to carve an exception out for your mom. It's yeah. always just actually good generalistic practices. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ podcast and my discussion about ambition with Pete the Planner. So what do you think? How does an ambitious person gracefully transition into what in the financial world we call the distribution phase, which is where you're not accumulating money anymore, you're distributing money to, to yourself to live? Like, What's the manifestation of ambition for those folks? What's interesting is the calculation you have to make when you are planning for retirement and going, look, I know that I'm oriented this way. Pretty much have to decide what is it that I really want to do? I mean, do I want to be a philanthropist now? I mean, do I want to be a mentor who and also help seed other companies? You really have to figure, be real specific, I would assume, because you know, otherwise you're going to get retired and the money and the goals aren't going to match up. I can speak to this to some element as a a business owner and an entrepreneur, I have ambition to, to succeed that way. But what is present now that wouldn't be present in distribution is the concept of risk. So if you take an ambitious person and risk is on the other side of every decision in a very heavy way, it is possible that sort of unadulterated ambition can take hold because risk isn't a party to it. Right. Maybe that's the element. I was going to ask you, you know, in your, in your former life, is it correct to refer to you as a financial advisor in your former, former life? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Did you ever run into somebody who after retirement, uh, you got ants in their pants and ended up blowing the nest egg on a new enterprise? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's because possibly they didn't think enough about this. They didn't think uh, like if, if you're a high motor person, if you're on that hamster wheel and you go to get off the hamster wheel, you're going to be looking for another hamster wheel. I think it's very real. Now, I will note that you see certain people in maybe the twilight of their careers, late 50s, early 60s, start to find other interests outside of, of their work. You start to see the the philanthropic side. You start to see, you know, community-driven side, even political side of things. We're not naming names. Again, I'm not a big name-the-name guy, so we're not going to do that. But I think we've seen some cases here recently, both nationally and locally, where someone has great business success, a very ambitious person, and then the outlet for their ambition becomes political as they then take their money and point it towards that, whether they have success or not. <laughs> no, we would not want to name names. No. But it's strange how some occurred to me, right? Yeah, uh, that's why I'm not naming names. Super fascinating, right? Suddenly you've got, you know, all the money that you really would ever need, as they would say, uh, and as as our writer said. And you, know, you think, yeah. you know, what I really need to do is, since I've been so successful, is apply that success to public policy. I think that's a some that happens. And here's what I think about when I think about these two definitions, different definitions. I think of influencer, YouTube creator, content creator. I think of someone who say, oh, what do you want to do? I want to be a YouTube creator. Okay. Well, what does that mean to you? Well, I want people to watch my videos. That doesn't necessarily come hard work is important for that, right? The the hardest working content creators are really grinding and doing it. But as as young people sort of set their sights on what they want to do, it really does become about the fame as opposed to achieving a thing other than fame. So, I mean, let's say that that I am, I'm the guy that wrote in or person that wrote in and did they say how old they were? No, but I mean, again, I've been doing this long enough. I just get the sense that they're early fifties. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's sort of a weird a carny trick that I have, but early fifties. And maybe 165 pounds. Uh, <laughs> so would you suggest, you know, to people in that situation, you know, what you, you need basically a retirement mentor, you need to start thinking about how you are going to apply yourself in retirement and really make a plan as you would with any other kind of business. I think it requires two, three week vacation, step away from work before you retire or sell your business in this case, and really start to not be on vacation, but to explore opportunities. I think it's a mistake from what I've witnessed for people to just think that the first day of retirement is just like an extended vacation. So I, I think there really has to be a plan. You remember when you, you started your career and maybe you went to a, a career counselor that said, oh, you could do this or that. And to some degree, you need to either go to a financial advisor that has enough experience with people like you that they can can tell you some stories there. But if you don't know, it's a little bit scary. It's a, it's a little bit scary if you're like, hey, I got more money than I need. I've achieved what I want. I'm ready to move on for whatever's next. I have no idea what's next. That that scares me a little bit because I know a lot of people like that. And it's a it's a meandering couple of years that does not seem that fulfilling from afar. Did you even answer the question? Probably the column? I mean, look, you, you read my columns. I just, it's just an outlet for jokes. <laughs> no, look, the yeah. question was, should I sell it now or should I sell it for three acts? Oh, I would never answer what? that question. What do you think he should do he, or, or she? What do you think? I don't I don't know. Like, as you said, I don't know what kind of risk was involved in, I don't know, 
what the calculation was, taking a couple of weeks, taking a couple of years to somehow triple the value of the company. That's not a kind of suspect to me. But, you know, I think it depends on on your appetite, I mean, for risk and your appetite for ambition. If the equation was you, Mason, you will have all the money you ever need if you sell right now. I'm like, show me the freaking bottom line. I'm done. I will see you. I got a million things I want to do with my time. Bye. But as we say, you know, for somebody who it has a bent towards doing, it was a high motor, the answer is different. I'm kind of with you there. Where I tried to go in the column is maybe the person is finding satisfaction professionally in things that are not so self-centered, like mentoring others or solving a, a major medical or, or or societal problem. You know, maybe you're so mission-driven that the mission yeah. remains incredibly important. But on the surface, I mean, I think this is a compelling poll question. I don't think you guys do poll questions, and I certainly don't do I poll questions. But would you like more money than you would ever need or three times more money than you would ever need? And it's sort of a trick question, right? I think a lot of people would choose three times more money than you would ever need, and I certainly would not. Yeah. Yeah, we need it. Does being a business owner make retirement more problematic? Right. Because well, how much time pay- do you have? <laughs> well, okay, hold on. Like I'm a I'm a paycheck guy. I like knowing what my earnings are going to be from week to week. And then over the next 10 years, I put in my two-week notice. Everything's set up for me. I'm done. But if you're a business owner, I mean, I assume that your wealth is wrapped up in what someone is willing to pay for your company. And that is subject to all different kinds of uh of elements. Yes and no, right? So if you're if you're doing it right, and this is my opinion, although it's a quite informed opinion, you're saving along the way. I mean, you you were saving like the paycheck guy, right? You are putting money in your four hundred one k. You you are putting money in IRAs and five. You're you're doing those things in the case that there is never an event, right? An event would be like an acquisition or something like that. But to your point, if you're building your business correctly, you are in fact building it to sell. You are you're, you're building a marketable property, which you can hand someone a, a guidebook on how to run it. And there's value in that. So that's the other side of it. And I, I look, I, I think in the startup space, you know, the startup culture, those businesses honestly aren't really meant for the owners to make a nice living along the way. They are stripped down to sell. They are not meant right. to provide a cushy lifestyle. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's to grow it fast and to get rid of it. So that that is a change in sort of business culture for sure. What about you? I mean, you started your own business. How many employees do you have? 30. 30? Okay. But I mean, I started my business 25 years ago as an individual and it, it sort of changed how it goes and those sorts of things. But we are technically a startup, but at the same time, I've been doing this for so long that... Yeah, but you had to make a conscious decision. I'm just not going to provide a service. You know, I want to create this entity and I want it to grow and I want to serve a lot of people. But it's mission driven. I mean, it goes back to the earlier thing. Like I've just seen the darkness that is financial chaos for people. And and so you're fine making $25,000 a year. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. This topic is interesting to me because I want to explore the negative side of ambition. When people hear of ambition, when they hear of the definition I love, the desire to achieve something or something that requires determination and hard work. And they hear that and they're like, nope, no, thank you. How can we explore that without demonizing those folks? Because we may or may not agree with them. And I think you suggest somewhere in the column that I mean, you can kind of marry the idea of ambition with 
the idea of doing good, the idea of helping other people. Like Melinda yeah. Gates is a right. great example of that, right? People can debate how how she got her wealth, but she is one of the most ambitious philanthropists ever. And that is the power of ambition being pointed towards others. Right. And look at the Lilly Endowment, right? It is the ultimate in ambition of going to solve really big problems. And, and again, that's a positive, beautiful thing that isn't a self-centered ambition. I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the name of uh, Jeff Bezos's former wife. McKenzie, I believe. McKenzie, yeah, who um, is fantastic. I mean, if I paid any more attention to it, I would call her one of my heroes. I mean, how she donates money to causes that I think are really important and lots of money. I mean, huge swaths of money. And yeah, you're right. That is super ambitious because, I mean, there's a certain amount of vetting that needs to happen. You need to, it's work. But and, and think through this for a second. I think where ambition gets interesting is you got to do your best to separate it from money. You, you have to separate. Like, is there anything more ambitious than the Wheeler Mission or Gleaner's Food Bank, right? It, like, those are the most, they're audacious in their ambition. And that's where I think a person's exploration of ambition gets interesting. You got to park the money at the door and it's to achieve or accomplish something. What are we trying to accomplish? Oh, we're trying to solve homelessness and, and hunger. I mean, that's ambitious. So I was thinking about, am I an ambitious person? And initially I'm like, no, I'm not an ambitious person. And I think I'm comparing myself to, I mean, 50% of the people who are on the IBJ podcast every week. I mean, people who have founded a company or a not-for-profit. I mean, we have tons of founders on here. I consider them to be very ambitious and people who spend a ton of time trying to make things work. I'm not that guy. But I am ambitious in that I do, I wake up at 5.30 every morning. You know, I work for several hours. You know, get IBJ's morning emails out. I feed my son. I get him to school, go back to work, 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 <laughs> come home, eat, do some more working. My ambition is to be a, uh, a thoroughly competent and delightful employee so they will continue paying me so I can retire. That's my ambition. Does that qualify? It's interesting. Again, uh, please know that all my comments uh, come with respect, and, <laughs> but that's a lovely definition of ambition. It's your ambition to sort of live your best life and, 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 and be a good member well, of your family and your community. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I think where this starts to take a turn are, are two words. One is achievement, and the other is expectations. I found that sometimes where this gets wonky is if a person does not describe themselves as ambitious, yet they still have crazy high expectations. And that's where it gets weird. If your expectations are aligned with your level of ambition, then I don't think there's ever a problem. But if you say, hey, I expect to have the nicest house and the nicest car and the nicest vacations, but by the way, I don't fancy myself as a person who has a strong to desire to do or achieve, which requires determination and hard work, then that probably is not going to work too well. But I don't, again, I'm not here to evaluate your feeling of ambition, although you asked me to. I, I think what everyone wants for their life is great as long as the expectation of what comes with it is reasonable. Besides Melinda Gates, who are some ambitious people who you admire? You want to keep it local? If you want to, I'll do it, yeah. You know who I admire? <laughs> this podcast is going to be interesting. Like, how are you going to write the summary of this thing? Um <laughs> I, I, I look at someone, one of the most ambitious people I've ever had a chance to, to meet a few times is Alison Langton. One of the most accomplished 
leaders in our community, never at the tip, tip, tip top of an organization, always a little bit behind the scenes, but just churning out ambitious project after ambitious project, whether it be, I think, USA Gymnastics Olympic broadcast to our work at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, and everywhere in between. That's the level of ambition that, that I'm talking about, because again, I'm not going to by any means make judgment about her financial life. I would, I would never do that, but I will say from in terms of professional ambition and success, it doesn't get any more ambitious than that. You look at the late great Bill Osterley, that's an ambitious person, right? They, they just had uh, wanted to do a lot of stuff and wanted to put the work into it. Some people might from the outside, just see a, a wealthy individual that built wealth themselves and then got into these different projects. I, I would see uh, someone who's incredibly ambitious. And you look at someone like uh, Mitch Daniels, doesn't get much more ambitious than that, going out and trying to solve really big problems. So again, did the people I just mentioned, or do they have a financial, uh, certain financial level of, of success? Sure. But I think the qualities that really are more distinctive is their ambition. And I think for the most part there, I mean, we're talking about people who are doing what they believe will help other people. I deeply believe that about those three individuals. Yes. And I, and I think that you were at least implying in the column that, you know, in empowerment, I mean, that is a quality that will increase your quality of life. I think so. I think if the great, if the great lesson of life is learning that your own self-interests aren't the ones to constantly serve. That's a pretty good lesson. And it's a journey for a lot of people. But what if I win the lottery? <laughs> I don't know. It depends <laughs> if you're ambitious or not. There's the old idea that money just magnifies who you are. Yeah, for sure. And so if you have money and you're ambitious, then you can do a lot with it. If you <laughs> have money and you're not ambitious, then your money will do something. All right. Well, this is great. Well, let's, let's stop now because I'm going to have a hard enough time summarizing this one as it is. Oh my gosh. How are you going to fit all this in? Uh, and for those that allowed us to have this conversation, thank you. And for those that are going to send me an email, say, yeah, don't write that book. No one will read it. That's fine too. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, uh, let's check in in, uh, in a month or so. Will do. All right. Thanks, Bill. My thanks again to Pete Dunn. A quick reminder, his column on personal finance appears regularly in the print edition of IBJ, and you can find several years worth of his work at IBJ.com. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest print edition of IBJ I want to point out. First up, in case you missed, the images of Tyrese Halliburton emblazoned across the largest hotel in Indianapolis, or Larry Bird handing Halliburton a basketball in a highly symbolic gesture to open All-Star Weekend festivities, the internationally televised basketball bonanza was all about the new face of the Pacers and the NBA's breakout star of the 2023-24 season. IBJ Sports columnist Derek Schultz has more on the symbiotic relationship between Halliburton and his new hometown. Also in this week's issue... Susan Orr details the lawsuits filed against Cummings, Inc. after it agreed to pay $2 billion late last year to settle allegations of Clean Air Act violations. And John Russell reports that the Indiana Donor Network is expanding to meet a surge in demand for transplants. And again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week. <laughs>